Well, good afternoon. Um, it's good to see or hear everybody. Um, it's a few hours before JMU men will play at Northeastern. This is David. I'm with Shane, our beat writer here at the Daily News Record, who's had a, I guess, long season of basketball. It's just now yeah. warming up, though. The good part is getting ready to come, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I guess it's a. Uh, everybody says March Madness. It's, it's just a few days away, actually. I mean, it doesn't seem like it seems like February went fast. It even, did. Even <laughs> being a shorter month, it seems like it went fast. And it's a good thing because it's been windy and cold and we haven't seen mm-hmm. too much snow here. But, yeah, it's always yeah. nice when February goes fast. Yeah. I don't know about you, but, you know, everybody talks about March Madness, but I really like the, the conference tournaments, especially mm-hmm. yeah. when it's a one-bid league. I think that is really exciting. Yeah, I mean, it's the whole month to me. You I mean, you see these – the last weekend of the regular season for a lot of teams is in March, and that's when you know they're, you know, <clears throat> trying to win conference championships, trying to you know get better seeds for their conference tournament, and then the conference tournaments obviously are huge, and then then it gets into the NCAA tournament, and it's it's the whole month for me as you yeah. know somebody who's loved college basketball his whole life. It's you know March Madness. Of, is the first through the thirty first for me? Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I, I'm with you on that. So nice that nice that we agree. Even though you have on a Kansas City Royals hat, I, I don't have on a baseball hat, so it's yeah. it's not March yet. So yeah, maybe <laughs> next time. Well, a lot going on. We've got a lot to, to touch on. Not only both teams at JMU, but the fact that the Convocation Center um, is is winding down a nearly four decade run. Um, where do you want to start, Shane? There's a lot going on. Yeah, we can start with uh, the convo and the JMU men, and you know they wrapped up their uh, time there with their final home games of the season, and uh, we'll see the women do the same thing this weekend. But for the men, it was you know it was about what you would expect for the last weekend. They you know couldn't get a couple wins, which is par for the course for the season. And, right. Um, but they played reasonably well. They gave. You know, the fans that did show up for the last game, and it was a crowd of, you know, more more than 3,000. Right. It was mm-hmm. a good crowd. It was far from a sellout or anything, but the people that were there were excited to be there for it. And they gave them some things to cheer about. You know, they didn't just get run off the court like they have at times this year. Right. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's interesting when you look at the teams at the uh, top of the conference standings. Those are the teams that Jamie's been, you know, awfully competitive with, even though they haven't That's a good beaten point. them. Yeah, mm-hmm. It's some of those, you know, middle of the pack teams that have, you know, kind of um, given them more trouble in a lot of ways. And <clears throat> maybe that's sort of a reflection of how they just haven't been there mentally It's uh, for some reason, you know, really since, you know, around Christmas time. Right. Right. You know, I mean, I, I didn't get a chance to watch the game on TV or I don't even know if it was on television, but I didn't get a chance to really follow it. But I, I heard a lot about the emotional press conference after the game. I mean, I think for, for Coach Rowe and his players, I mean, to upset William and Mary would have been a huge game, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. You know, they brought in William and Mary for this game. I think, you know, kind of thinking that's the last you think back to the kind of the glory days of the CAA right. when it was such a Virginia-centric conference. Mm-hmm. You know, now JMU and William & Mary are the only two teams in state left. It's kind of, you know, it's almost like a forced rivalry almost <laughs> yeah, because yeah. they're not the old bitter rivals the way ODU and George Mason and Richmond were. Um, but I think, you know, they kind of like did the best they could to – bring back, you know, the long-standing opponent sure, for yeah. that last game. Uh, it was the 100th meeting between the two teams. Yeah, I um, saw that. Yeah. You know, I think they're 50-50 now at this That's point. That's interesting. Yeah. 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 Um, but, 
you know, it still didn't have quite the same feel as it might have if mm-hmm. a George Mason or somebody was still sure. in the conference. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. that, that's a if it, even with their regular season once a year matchups they have now, you can feel a lot more bitterness mm-hmm. yeah. there than yeah. you do um, some other things. It's similar to ODU, too. Mm-hmm. It, right. It's just not quite the same level of uh, yeah. hatred, I guess, when it comes to women Mary. Do you have any? Um, I mean, I know you you have you, the convo is thirty eight years old. You've only covered a couple years, but just what has it been like to cover games there? Is there a favorite uh, game that you've covered, or any memories from the from the time that you've been there? Um, there's definitely some memories. Like even in a short time, uh, you know, last year, um, Eli Pemberton from Hofstra nailed a ninety eight footer at the ha- halftime buzzer. Wow, was, you know, really <laughs> yeah. something. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the women's run through the WNIT last year, beating, you know, Kenny Brooks, mm-hmm. Virginia Tech yeah, team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was, you know, a special moment. Um, there's just been, there's been a lot of things. It's, you know, it's such an interesting building. I, I would say it's one of a kind, but um, it's actually very similar in design to a place I spent a lot of time in my younger days. Uh, it's a Juco arena in Kansas nearby huh. my house. I huh, played summer league basketball there. That's yeah. Interesting. I, I, I've tried to look it up and I can't find it. I, I'm assuming it had to be the same architect. That's interesting. It's just, yeah. you know, a slightly larger build uh, version of that with the same with the walls on the okay. ends and the bleachers up above and mm-hmm. everything, even the hallways and everything. It's just, I mean, it's exactly the same. Yeah. It just holds about a thousand yeah. more people. It's a, Interesting. It's, it's interesting. You know, those are the only two arenas I've ever seen that are quite like it. And it's, yeah. you know. Interesting. Well, as a teaser, if you pick up Friday's Daily News record, there's going to be some more on the Convocation Center and, and the history. Um, obviously, the men played last weekend, but a huge weekend coming up for the women's program. And, and you probably couldn't script it much better. Um, Drexel coming in Friday night and and then the last regular season game on uh, Sunday afternoon. I think I have that right. Just sort of talk about the weekend coming up, Shane. Yeah, it, it's it's a huge weekend on, you know, a few levels. You know, we'll take the basketball part out of it for now because we're going to get heavily into that in a minute. But, um, right. you know, they're arranging, I think, the celebration a little bit differently than the men did, where they kind of mm-hmm. saved it all for Saturday in the final home game. Um, they're doing a lot of the alumni stuff and everything on Friday. Right. And then mm-hmm. Sunday, it also coincides with the Duke Dog Reading Day, which has been huge turnout yes. for fans. Mm-hmm. So I'm, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if it is close to a sellout for the... Okay, you know, wow. That's amazing. Just because, mm-hmm. I mean, you look at the Duke Dog Reading Days, you know, Throughout the regular season, right. those have been a yeah. big bump in yeah. attendance. Plus, you know, you throw in everything else. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it's going to be senior night, which, you know, it, not to detract from a senior night for the men. Right. Uh, but no one had one senior, Anthony Pinker, Anthony yeah. Pinker yeah. who, you know, has been here for a couple of years. He's been right. a great, you know, is a great guy. Been a, you know, represented the program very well. But, you know, definitely not a star player, anything like that, compared to, Five seniors that are going to be wow. saying That's, goodbye yeah, for the that, women's yeah. team, including, you know, Kamaya Smalls, who might go down mm-hmm. as one of the best players mm-hmm. in the program's history. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Kayla Cooper-Williams has set all kinds of records. Lexi Barriers, mm-hmm. you know, a fan favorite. It's, you know, a beloved class playing their last game for senior night. Sure. So yeah. that's going to be a big deal. Um they kind of so kind of understand why they're spreading things out a little bit more mm-hmm. for the women. Yeah, um, and they're they're still going to have 
a lot of alumni there for the last game. They're you know inviting them to kind of participate in the whole weekend. Right, like, right. They're spreading that out a little bit more. <clears throat> and then from just a pure basketball standpoint, this Friday game against Drexel is, you know, it it's big for mm-hmm. JMU. I think, you know, not winning the regular season title in the CAA would be disappointing. Right. Um, on that level. Mm-hmm. It is, it's interesting, even if they, you know, win and they tie Drexel, they're probably, it's going to be difficult for them to not, to um, get the number one seed. I think they're looking at the number two seed, okay. which, you know, you look at how some teams have played against each other. That's not necessarily a bad thing for JV, mm-hmm. just the way the bracket mm-hmm. might play out. But, um, you know, they have a chance to win a third straight regular season title. Right, right. But, you know, there's so much focus at the mid-major level on the conference tournament. Right. And they always kind of declare the conference tournament champion. They get referred to as the CAA champion for right. the next year. Right. People refer to Towson as a CAA champion. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Towson had a great run over the course of a weekend. Right. To me, one of the most underrated accomplishments in sports is having a streak of regular season conference titles in college basketball. To me, that's, sure, yeah, that's yeah. a big that's accomplishment a to have that kind of consistency as a program. Mm-hmm. And winning conference games is always difficult. To do that over the course of several years, I think, is mm-hmm. a you know, big accomplishment, even if you know college basketball on the men's and women's side so much is focused on tournament play. Right. When it's one and out and it's you know kind of a mm-hmm. crapshoot at mm-hmm. times. Um, I think it's important to look at both and you know sure put yeah. in, put a little more value on the regular season than yeah. a lot of people do. Yeah. Well, let's throw out this scenario. Let's say either JMU beats Drexel uh, tomorrow night and then loses to them in the conference championship game. Um, do you think they have a chance of getting an at-large bid? And this is something you've been following all year and you've written about. I think they do, you know, provided they don't lose any games in between. Um, right. It would be big. Um, that scenario, you know, while not the best scenario for JMU, is probably the most likely scenario for the CAA to mm-hmm. possibly get Correct. a yeah. second team mm-hmm. in when you look at it. Um, Drexel's at-large case is getting better. They're mm-hmm. right on uh, Jamie's heels in the uh, RPI at this point, you know, 41 and 42. Mm-hmm. Um, if Drexel could get a couple top 50 wins over JMU, that would, you know, boost their case a lot. Mm-hmm. That would give them three top 50 wins mm-hmm. and another top 100. JMU's overall resume right now just looks a little bit better, especially right. if they can add a win against Drexel. Mm-hmm. They've beaten um, UCF, which is in the top 40 at this right. point. They've mm-hmm. beaten some Big East teams that are up there. So, you know, you, you look at the non-conference, Drexel's best win is Villanova, which okay. is okay. JMU's third best mm-hmm. non-conference Interesting. win. Interesting. So you kind of, you know, mm-hmm. that's a good way to kind of uh, – yeah, you know, compare the two. They both played Villanova, but JMU's got some even better wins than that. Mm-hmm. Um, so JMU has the better at this moment, the better at large case. Um, but they both have a shot, you know, depending mm-hmm. on what mm-hmm. happens elsewhere. Uh, so it'll be interesting to uh, follow that. I know JMU would Sean O'Regan and everybody would prefer to just uh, go ahead and win out here and uh, sure. not have any sure. doubt and yeah. win the CA tournament. But you know. They can they can relax a little bit more on Selection Sunday if that happens. Yeah, you, you mentioned the weekend. Um, I've had a chance to talk to Coach Mormon uh, a little bit the past few days, and and she said the other day they're expecting at least fifty former uh, coaches and players this weekend. That was as of two days ago, so there could be a lot more. She's hosting a few of them at her home, so. 
Yeah, I, I like it's interesting the way they're doing it, you know, not mm-hmm. doing everything on on Sunday. And, and like you said, uh, it's really amazing to think that, that that could be a sellout on Sunday. I think that says how much the women's program has been supported here in the last several years. Yeah. And, and that's speculation on my part, mm-hmm. but it's based on the fact that, you know, they've been more than half to two thirds full for these mm-hmm. Duke dog reading days mm-hmm. anyway. And then you right. add in other aspects to it. And mm-hmm. I would think, you know. There'll be people in the upper, upper parts of the stands for this one. Yeah, well, um, we can we can keep talking about the women, but uh, you know we can also obviously in about a week the men's tournament's going to be up in Washington D.C. Um, and I think at this point it looks like the men will be playing as a t- number ten seed um, that opening Saturday. Um, just before we get back to the women, just thoughts on the final weekend for the men's uh, as they head up north. Yeah, I mean, they're up north where they've got a couple tough games. They have to win them both to have a chance to get out of the number 10 seed, right? Um, which will be difficult, especially when you consider how much trouble Northeastern has given them mm-hmm. recently. Even even when they've been playing better as a program, Northeastern has always been a tough mm-hmm. matchup. You know, they haven't kept it as close against Northeastern as they have a lot of other good teams in this conference. And, you know, you look at it this year, Northeastern isn't one of the upper echelon teams mm-hmm. in this conference. Right, there, right. this is a big game for them because they're kind of battling Elon to stay out of that play-in round mm-hmm. and get the number mm-hmm. six seed in the mm-hmm. conference tournament. So another reason why you know they're going to be awfully fired up for this JMU game uh, tonight and sure. record this on sure. Thursday afternoon. Right, right. Um, so you know, I I would be pretty shocked if JMU was able to pull off an upset at Northeastern. Less shocked if they did it. Against Hofstra, actually, even though Hofstra is, mm-hmm. you know, about to, you know, secure the regular season title, uh, just because they played so much better against Hofstra, yeah. you know, in recent years, um, they beat them at Hofstra last mm-hmm. year. They played them pretty tough in the CAA tournament last year, um, and they were up by fourteen in the second half against that's them earlier this that's season. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Before you know, they missed a ton of free throws down the stretch, missed some other shots down the stretch, and you know, let that one get away. Um, so if they were going to pull off an upset this weekend, I'd be more leaning towards the Hofstra game. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm not extremely confident in them picking up another win this weekend for the CAA tournament. Yeah, going going into the weekend, uh, JMU is 2-14 two, two and 14 in the conference. Uh, Northeastern is 8-8, eight and eight, and Hofstra is in first at 13-3. and three. William Mary is second at 12-5. and five. Um, I think... You know, we are looking at a last place finish, perhaps, and, and that hasn't happened in a long time. Um, you know, you've been following the men's program, you know, all, all year and for several years. Uh, you know, Coach Rowe spoke again Monday, and, and I've heard this from a lot of people and yourself. He just continues to be really professional, but yet frustrated at how the season's going. He doesn't tend to throw people under the bus, he, he takes accountability. I mean, has that pretty much been the case? Yeah, it, it really has. And, um, you know, like you said, he's taken accountability for it. He's, um, you know, a story I'm working on. I've kind of written that he alludes to without actually coming out and saying that, you know, this is likely going to be his last year here mm-hmm. unless something very dramatic over the next couple of weeks happens. Right. Um, and so, you know, it's a tough situation for him mm-hmm. to be there and, you know, walk up to the microphone at least a couple times a week, sure. and, yeah. you know, yeah. address all this. And you, you got to give him credit for being, you know, forthright about it. Like yeah. you said, yeah. not 
not blaming. You see so many guys who have been in this similar kind of situation, and the weeks are winding down, and they get bitter, they get upset, they get stressed out, they mm-hmm. take it out on other people. Mm-hmm. And you got to give Lewis real credit for not doing any of that you know, to this point. It's you, you haven't seen yeah. anything, yeah, like that. I'm sure you and I have both seen cases of pro or college teams where the manager or coach will start making excuses. He'll point out the injuries he's had or. Whatever, but yeah. he hasn't done that. He hasn't done that. He hasn't, you know, blamed players. He hasn't blamed, mm-hmm. you know, anything. He hasn't blamed the fact they play so many road games, anything mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, you know, been very straightforward with it. You know, I think back to a similar situation uh, about a decade ago. Not that it was not entirely similar, but the similarity was that it was a guy who was coaching at his alma mater. But I think back to Al Groh with the UVA football mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the way that kind of just totally unraveled mm-hmm. in the last year or two mm-hmm. with him, you know, not getting along with anybody, mm-hmm. burning, you know, I think it was like 12 or 13 freshman red shirts late in the season, oh, just wow. trying to yeah. do anything yeah. to like save yeah. his job. And, you know, you don't see anything like that with Lou because, you know, he, he still loves JMU and, you that's, know, that's a great point. It, yeah. And feels yeah. grateful for the opportunity, but, yeah. you know, disappointed it's not working out any better than it has. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, it's always the, the, the tricky thing when you hire an alum to be a coach. And, mm-hmm. you know, if they don't end their career there, you're going to part ways with them at some point. I really – it was your quotes, uh, his quotes that you, you had the other day about how if he would have been in Florida, he would have made every effort to get here for the last game – um, and I think that just speaks to what he, how he feels about the university. Yeah, and you know, frankly, he got this job, which was his dream job, as his first head coaching mm-hmm. gig. When you know, frankly, he might not have been ready just mm-hmm. based on resume. You look mm-hmm. at what most CAA programs hire; they hire somebody who's maybe been a head coach somewhere, maybe who's been a assistant at a major program, whether mm-hmm. it's, you know, in North Carolina or uh, Ohio State, or you look at people who come in with varying levels of success. That's kind of the coaching pool you draw from. And, you know, somebody whose biggest job to that point was at Bowling Green as an assistant, you know, I don't want to, like, you know, it doesn't mean that somebody couldn't be successful. Right. But just right. based on the resume alone, mm-hmm. it didn't seem to kind of stack up to what, you might expect from a candidate in yeah. a program like this. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, I guess we should probably end with the women, um, if that's okay, unless yeah. you want to go some other place. Um, you know, any last thoughts on, on the women as, as they, uh, you know, have a big weekend here in Harrisonburg? Yeah, it'll just be very interesting to see the response to bring Drexel back in here after, you know, Drexel really pounded them up there in Philly. Mm-hmm. 22-point mm-hmm. win. I, I noted in my preview story for that that I was writing today that, you know, Drexel has won so many close games. They're 5-0 and in overtime this year. Wow. <laughs> Their biggest blowout win of the season is against JMU, hmm. which is, hmm. you know, arguably the best team they've mm-hmm. played. And so it's interesting to see that. Um, it'll be interesting to see how JMU responds because typically – when they've lost to a CAA team, the next mm-hmm. time they visit the convo in front of a wild crowd, yeah, they have yeah. really poured it on them. Yeah, yeah. Drexel might be a little bit more difficult to do. They've got another. They've got a player of the year candidate of their own. Right. Um, you know, a couple of Philly girls, Kamaya Smalls for JMU mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. Bailey Greenberg for 
um, Drexel. So it'll be an interesting matchup. See how that goes. Um, I'm expecting a fairly close game, but yeah. I would I'd be surprised if JMU doesn't pull it out. But mm-hmm. it'll definitely be a challenge for them. Yeah, I've had I've had the opportunity to see Drexel, um, and I think Denise has done a really good job. She's been there a long time. I, I know the assistant coach a little bit. They've had a lot of continuity there, mm-hmm. just like JMU has had, really. Yeah, and it's um it's interesting because you know they. I believe Denise was an assistant at Villanova, right? I think you're right. And um, yeah. they mm-hmm. do a lot of similar things. It, mm-hmm. It's up there, you know, Philly's such a great basketball sure, town. That, sure, sure, uh, yeah. You know, you see, the, like, you see them doing similar things, and they're borrowing that matchup zone mm-hmm. that, you know, Temple, okay. you know, yeah. kind of invented all those okay. years ago. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's a real Philly-style game when you play Drexel. In the, sure, in the, and JMU gets a lot of their best players from the DMV and the DC area. So um, yeah, yeah. Although, uh, although Sean has really recruited Pennsylvania well, mm-hmm. interesting. Um, you yeah. know, he's yeah. got you know Kamaya from Philly. Kiki Jefferson is from Lancaster. That's right. Kind of. Mm-hmm. She played with a Philly AAU team. Okay. Before coming mm-hmm. down, so mm-hmm. um, you know he's recruited that you know area well, and I think that rivalry with uh, Drexel is kind of a selling point. Interesting. Because in yeah, you're, you know you're going to have some big home games and homecoming games mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. you know those kids that's a good point yeah well a lot going on uh in ca basketball jmu basketball big weekend here in harrisburg at the convocation center um shane i know you'll be out there uh should be it should be fun it should yeah. be uh a good weekend yeah it should be good good to see um what kind of crowds they get and the, the atmosphere because you know one, one thing about jmu women's basketball the last thing i'll kind of mention is you know you i've taken you know my daughter's places around here you know we might Mm -hmm. go over to like a uva game Mm -hmm. or something for a women's game and you know maybe they have six thousand people in the building but you're they're walking in they're saying oh we play clemson today is clemson any good the people that show up for the jmu games they know exactly Mm, what's at stake Mm -hmm. they know who they're playing they know who the best Mm -hmm. player on the other team is they know that this is for first place and that that, you know really creates an interesting environment and what's been an intimidating environment for a lot of teams that come in here. I actually had lunch with uh, one of my cousins this week in Bridgewater and she and her husband have been season ticket holders for a long time. And um, she, she pointed out the fact that when there are local players on the team that, Add some interest as well. I mean, the Spotswood pipeline is there. You know, Irvine mm-hmm. is not playing as much, but um, they've had, JMU has had more local players in the last ten years on their team than they say did in the previous twenty or so. Yeah, and you know, frankly, girls basketball around here I think is a little bit better than high school boys basketball. There's, right, there's a standout mm-hmm. or two on the boys side, but you know, for the most part, I think the depth and the talent. Mm-hmm. And the, you know, possibility of getting some D1 players from locally is a little bit easier right. for them. And JMU has side. one coming next year from yeah. Spotswood. So, well, a lot to talk about, a lot to look forward to this weekend. Thanks for joining us, and hopefully we'll uh, be talking to you soon. Yeah, thank you.